This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I got an amazing product for my kings and queens who love some cannabis. I enjoy the occasional joint once in a while. And if you want to maintain the flower that you're buying, this is the product for you. Integra Specialty Products brings you plant-based solutions for top-tier cannabis storage and packaging with two-way humidity control packs. Ensure the freshness, potency, and quality of your cannabis with Boost plant-based solutions that only puts in pure water vapor into your dried-out buds. It's ideal for flower, pre-rolls, and edibles. They offer a harmonious balance of convenience and freshness. For more information, check them out at www.integra.com boost.com or at Integra Herbal on Instagram. Use code LOWLIFE at checkout for 15% off your next purchase online at www.integraboost.com. Hola, mis amigos. Buongiorno. Welcome, one and all, to a brand spanking new episode of the Low Life Podcast. I'm your flaming hot and spicy, seasonally depressed, white wine drinking, talky finger licking, iced coffee sipping, Target overspending, hot mess of a host, Lorenzo Von Rumpf. And I'm so happy to be here with you today. There is no place I'd rather be than right here with my low lifers. I hope you're having a beautiful week and you're feeling good right now. But if you're in a weird headspace right now, if you're feeling overwhelmed, depressed, stressed out, anxious, all of the above, don't you worry, boo-boo. Don't you fret. You have come to the right place. We have a very special episode in store for you today. This one is definitely a healing episode. This one is good for the heart. It's good for the soul. I am so looking forward to sharing this guest with you. Before we get into this week's episode, though, let's talk about mental health. Nobody asked, <laughs> but my mental health score this week on a scale of one to 10, one being in the dumps, 5150 my ass, 10 being euphoric bliss on cloud nine at a private resort in Bali. I'm definitely not there right now, but I'm going to rate my mental health a solid 7.8 out of 10. I'm feeling pretty good, but that's a good score for me. I'm going to ride this one till the wheels fall off. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a happy mood. It's ups and downs. I've been very emotional this week. And I know why. I just have a lot on my plate. But also, there's a full moon, baby. Full moon. It's a Pisces moon. If you're into astrology, then you know what I'm talking about. We're into astronomy. They're talking about it in the news right now. But there is a full blue moon happening. It starts August 30th and 31st, I believe. So with that, my fellow witchy kings and queens out there who love astrology... A Pisces full moon is an emotional time. Of course, with a full moon, it's a time to charge your crystals and manifest and its new beginnings. But again, because it's a Pisces full moon, there's a lot of emotion that comes with it. So it's time to have a good cry. You could be feeling extra emotional this week, and that's probably why. And if you're a water sign, a Cancer, Scorpio, or Pisces, you're probably going to be feeling it a little bit more than the others. But it's nice to have a good cry once in a while. And so I'm going to the beach tonight, the full moon. I'm so excited to go out to the beach. I'm going to take little Shamu with me. Oh my God, I took Shamu to the beach for the first time. That also helped my mental health. Oh, I was so excited to take Shamu, take his ass to the beach for the very first time because that's a place that brings me a lot of peace. But also I wanted Shamu to get in touch with his orca roots. <laughs> I wanted him <laughs> to get in touch with his ancestors. And so I took him to my favorite beach in Orange County. We went out on the sand and he was obsessed. He really is part orca. He ran to the water. These waves, it was riptide when we went. There were massive waves crashing. 
Little Shamu was not phased by any of them. He was jumping into the water. If I didn't have him on a leash, I have this 20-foot retractable leash, and I let him run to the water, but thank God I had the leash on him because his ass would have jumped in and kept on swimming to be with his orca family. I was like, Shamu, damn. I'm so impressed, though, because he was so brave. He's very adventurous. He loves the water. He was obsessed with the sand. He was digging. He was jumping around. He was soaking wet. I went in the water with him, too. It was so fun. And so I'm going to go back with him actually tonight to see the moon. And I'm taking the queen with me. My dad might go too. And we're just going to go hang out at the beach and have a little seance, if you will. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to that. I'm super into horoscopes and astrology. I wasn't into it until the last year. I've really taken a dive into it with certain guests that I've had, like Deborah Silverman, which was an amazing episode, or Aliza Kelly, good friend of mine. She's also a psychic and an amazing astrologist. I had her on. I got to have her back, actually. I love her and Deborah. But I was curious if you are into astrology, because it's something I love diving into, but I don't know if you, the listener, are you down for some astrology talk once in a while? I also want to get your feedback on a couple things. So I asked about the intros for the show because I was told that they were too long by a friend of mine. (laughs) So I asked for your feedback on the intros and it looks like I'll be keeping them based on all the responses I received. And so, yeah, I'm down to keep the intros. Uh, Also, you guys happy with the outros or should I cut those out? I'd love to know your thoughts on those. And then when it comes to topics for this show, I like to cover a little bit of everything. I have ADHD, I have the attention span of a squirrel, and I'm curious about everything in life. And so I like to dive into everything and anything, no topics off limits. Politics, sex, drugs, relationships, finance, entrepreneurship, parenting, you name it, I'm down to explore it and have a good conversation on this podcast. And I love having thought leaders, experts in their industry, experts of their craft, artists, people who are knowledgeable and passionate about what they do and can speak on it. And now we're at the point in this little shit show podcast where it's not a little shit show. Oh no, the low life is coming in strong because of you, my beautiful kings and queens. So thank you for supporting the show, but because of your support and leaving reviews and giving me feedback and and building this community out and, and downloading the episodes and actually listening to them, now I have something to stand on and I actually have people hitting me up all the time because they want to come on the show. It's so funny, when I first started this podcast, it was asking favors and I get it. I had to ask favors in the beginning because it was like new and a lot of people have podcasts and so... Oh, it was rough. <laughs> but but now that we've built this show up and we have a strong listenership and this community of lowlifers out there, now there are a lot of guests who are actually wanting to come on and there's agents and managers and different people pitching their talent to come on the show. And so I want to ask you, because this is your show, this is for you, what do you guys want to hear about on this podcast? Is there a specific topic or a person or anything in general that you're like, I would love for you to dive into this? It could be a TV show, it could be surface level, or we can go into the depths of the ocean, baby. I'm down for it all. But please let me know in the review section of Apple Podcast what type of episodes you're down to hear. Is there anything specific you want me to do a deep dive into? I'll be going over all your answers that you respond with, and I'll be sharing them on the podcast next week. And then we're going to do a vote for future episodes coming up. And so I love your feedback. I appreciate you writing in. And of course, I want to show my gratitude. So there are gifts, the low life gifting suite. So again, if you leave a review and answer this week's question is, what the hell do you want on this podcast? Any topic, guest, or specific show or something you want me to deep dive into, let me know in the review section of Apple Podcast. Make sure you put your Instagram handle in there, and uh, you might just win a little something-something from the Low Life Gifting Suite. All right, let's get into this week's special episode with Krista St. Germain. I didn't know Krista before going into this interview. I'd never met her before, but I was familiar with her work. She is a master certified life coach. 
She's also a grief expert, and she knows so much about grief and loss because she's really went through it. Oh, her story is heartbreaking. She's a widow who lost her husband tragically. She actually shares the story of what happened on this show. But it was through that tragedy and major heartbreak, such a huge loss for her, that she was able to take her pain, loss, and sorrow and turn it into something beautiful that's now helped thousands of women through the grieving process, specifically the loss of a partner. And she has a podcast called The Widowed Mom Podcast, and she has all these great resources, and she really unpacks the grieving process and has some amazing tools. And so I wanted to have her on the show because it's an important conversation to have. Everybody experiences grief at some point in their life. I haven't touched too much on the losses that I've had. I'll unpack them eventually on this podcast. One loss I recently experienced was just a year ago, and it gutted me. But I'll dive into that down the line. I'm still through the healing process and can't even really talk about that specific loss. But I have other losses that I'm at the point where I feel comfortable talking about it and it doesn't feel like an open wound. But I used to hate that I've been through so much loss. It was something I felt a bit of shame about. I didn't like talking about it with people because they were always like, wow, especially because I experienced a lot of loss early on in life. So my teenage years, my 20s, and then up to my early 30s, I've been hit with a lot of deaths of people who were close to me and it shook me to my core. And I don't wish that kind of pain on anybody, but I used to wish it never happened to me. And not that I'm okay with losing all of those people in my life, but I do have a different perspective now. All of the different people I have lost in my life, all of the pain, all of the heartbreak and loss has broken me down, shattered my heart. And I didn't think the pieces would ever come back together again, but they slowly do start to come back together. And as the broken pieces of my heart started to come back together again, these little fractures, these little cracks allowed for the light to come in. I learned a lot about myself and it was very transformative to go through such immense loss at some of the most pivotal moments of my life. But my biggest takeaway from experiencing grief, and I'm sure if you're listening to this right now and you've gone through it or you're in the thick of it right now dealing with loss, and when I'm talking about loss, I'm not just referring to the actual death of somebody. It could be a friendship breakup, the loss of your identity, the loss of a home, financially having a huge loss. That really affects people. People kill themselves over things like that. The loss of a fur baby, friendship breakups, those are brutal. There's so many different types of loss. But in experiencing all of those types of losses, I now have a bit more empathy for everybody around me. I'm more compassionate. I'm nicer. I'm kinder, kinder to myself. And now when I go into the world, my perspective, what I think about people is everyone is going through something, some sort of a loss, even if they're not. It's just in my head. I'm like, their dog just died. <laughs> so everyone's really hurting in some sort of a way. And so when you look at the world through that lens, it's not that I feel sorry for everybody. It's not that I'm just going around just crying all the time with everyone, but it's more so I have a bit more empathy and understanding of like, okay, if you're having a bad day or this person's treating me like shit or that person was just rude or this asshole just flipped the bird to me, you know, driving in traffic, he's pissed or whatever. I have a bit more grace for all of those crazy situations and hard moments because I just picture they're probably going through it. Hurt people hurt people. And so if I have that perspective, again, it just, one, doesn't let me take things too personally, but also allows me to just have a bit more kindness going into the world. And so that's been my biggest takeaway when it comes to grief. Uh, Krista St. Germain also gives her biggest takeaway in experiencing tragedy. One of my favorite parts of this conversation is we talk about the right things to say and the wrong things to say. When someone has experienced loss, there's a very common saying, time heals all. Time heals all wounds. You hear that all the time. I used to say it a lot too. 
we talk about why that's misleading and why saying that could actually be problematic for somebody who's experiencing a loss in their life. There are a lot of different things that people can say to you when you're grieving or if you know someone who's going through it right now, after this episode, you'll know the right things to say to them because sometimes it's hard. You don't know what to say to the person. And so we're going to help you out in this episode. She breaks it down. We also talk about the five stages of grief, which was a study based on hospice patients. It's become very popular over the last 25 years. People always refer to the five stages of grief, but Krista explains why Some people don't even experience any of those stages, why using that model of the five stages is a bit outdated. And she challenges that methodology and then also introduced me to post-traumatic growth theory, which I didn't know about, but it was very interesting and helpful, especially when you're going through any type of loss. And so this episode has so many golden nuggets of wisdom. It's not a depressing one. I promise you that even though we're talking about loss and grief, it's very uplifting and empowering. There are some great coping mechanisms that are healthy for you to use and also some tools to put in your emotional toolkit as you go through life. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's special episode with master certified life coach and grief expert, Krista St. Germain. Hit it. Krista St. Germain, welcome to the Low Life Podcast, Queen. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm like always truly excited about anybody who wants to talk about grief because it's not everybody's favorite subject. So thank you for having me. You're right. It is a heavy subject, but it's necessary. It's so necessary because we all experience grief, myself included. And I'm curious with you, Krista, this path that you've been on in helping hundreds, thousands of women through the grieving process through finding themselves after they've experienced such tragedy, such loss. You yourself went through loss. Did you have an interest in becoming a life coach who specialized in grief before you had this tragedy? Or was it once you experienced the loss that you wanted to help others? Was that the catalyst for you? I'd love to hear your story. Yeah, it wasn't really a path I ever intended to take. But when I was 40, I had gotten remarried. My first marriage kind of lasted a long time, crashed and burned, not ideal. But my second marriage felt absolutely amazing to me. It felt like a redemption story. It felt like, okay, this is how you can be treated. This is how good it can be. And so I was just on this real high. I had two kids from my prior marriage and he and I had gone on a trip together and we'd driven separately and we were on our way back and I had a flat tire And so I pulled over on the side of the highway. We weren't that far out from, we were like 15 minutes away from our house. And he was like, I don't, let's not call AAA. You know, it'll just take too long, baby. I can just change the tire myself. And so he decided to change the tire. I didn't insist on calling AAA. And as he was trying to get the tire out of my trunk, it was about 5.30 on a Sunday. So it's like daylight and our hazard lights were on, but a driver who we found out later had meth and alcohol in his system did not see us, did not hit the brakes, just crashed right into the back of Hugo's Durango and trapped him in between his car and my car. And I was standing right there. Oh my gosh. And so I went from my life is amazing. My best days are in front of me in just like a flash to a low and a grief that I never expected was pretty unprepared for and really, really rocked my world. 
And so I, I didn't really set out to do that work at all. It was really only because I found myself so unprepared for grief. I had bought into a lot of the myths of grief and the five stages of grief and you know all the things that make grief harder for people. And when I later got through that, what I found was the most helpful for me actually came, even though my therapist was amazing, especially in the early days, but was what was actually most transformative, most powerful, most useful for me came from life coaching. So that's when I decided, all right, I think this is what I want to do. And also, you know, something that wild in your life, that disruptive really makes you pause and ask yourself questions about your life. Yeah. And one of those questions that I was asking myself was, am I doing what I want to be doing? right? Am I making the impact that I want to make? Do I really want to work in aviation? That's what you were doing before working in aviation? Yeah. Like what What in aviation? So I was a, a manager for project engineers. So I supervised a team of, of project managers and we basically did upgrades on Learjets. So we would take a Learjet and say, okay, we want to upgrade the avionics suite. You'd upgrade the avionics suite. So to me, Wichita, where I'm from, Kansas, is considered the air capital of the world. We have a lot of aviation here. So it's very common that people work here. Never was that a dream of mine. It just, it paid the bills, you know? It wasn't terrible. The people were fine. Yeah. And that's where I met Hugo. Oh, that's okay. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, it just wasn't. It wasn't the difference that I wanted to make in the world. And when I realized, man, life is this short, like it could be taken away that fast. It just makes you reassess how you want to spend your time and who you want to spend it with and what you want to spend it doing. And so I decided, all right, enough of this. Let's let's do something that feels really meaningful. And so decided to become a coach and quit my job. And that was in 2018. Wow. Okay. And you have two children? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so with your kids, I mean, also they're having to deal with a major yeah. loss too. And that's a completely different thing. Like for a child to wrap his mind, I don't know how old were they when they experienced this? 12 and nine at the time. God, that's a really tough age to have that conversation with your kids. I know that you're going to have family and friends who reach out when you're going through a major loss and you're really struggling. And a lot of times when you're really struggling and experiencing major loss or heartbreak or any type of loss, People will reach out to you. These are the ones who love you the most and they want to be there for you in any way that they can. And I was doing some research on this podcast and looking up phrases to say to someone who has experienced a loss. How can you help them? What can you say to them? And as I was doing research, I was actually really surprised by some of the advice the internet offers. Not that I would trust the internet anyway, <laughs> but a lot of the phrases that were said online are common phrases that people say, again, when they're wanting to be there for you. Let me just preface this by saying, intention matters. And I know the intention of our loved ones who want to be there for us through a really difficult time, the intention is pure. And so sometimes people will say things, I've been guilty of this too. Oh, I've done a lot of these sayings. And so I want to go over some of them because they're very common. And I'm sure if you're listening to this right now, you've probably used one of these just like I have. So these are some of the common phrases that people will say to comfort you, but it's counterproductive. It's actually doing more harm than good. Phrases like, don't worry, time will heal. Time heals all. It's important just to keep yourself busy. Distract yourself. Just keep yourself so busy. Or don't worry, he or she is in a better place. Their suffering is over. Or something like, he or she lived a very long life. If it's an older person or you lose a grandparent, he or she lived a long life. Many people die young, so you are fortunate to even get those years with the person. I remember somebody told me that. I lost my nana and she was 60 years old and I wanted to scream. Also, something people will say commonly is, oh, I know exactly how you feel. I've been through it. I know this is painful, but don't worry. Everything happens for a reason. 
If you're religious, this is a very common thing said, God will never give you more than you can handle. God will never put more on your plate. I'm like, really? God's going to put this plate? Because I just had two major deaths and I feel like I'm going to kill myself. (laughs) So I question these sayings. And I know, again, the intention is pure, but these are sayings that unintentionally do a little bit more harm than good. Even when someone has a miscarriage, I've heard this said to one of my girlfriends who had a miscarriage, oh, well, don't worry, you're young. So you could still have another baby. You'll still have another blessing in your life. You have more chances. It's okay. Keep trying. That's not what she wanted to hear at the time. That's not what she ever wanted to hear, actually. So those are some of the wrong things to say. But Chris, I want to talk to you about the right things to say. Help us out here. Yeah, I think it's really valuable to just kind of go back and think about the motivation for what we're going to say. And I heard so many of the things that you just said, right? He's in a better place and don't worry, you're young and just stay busy (laughs) and all of those things. And I think that the reason we say them is in huge part because we've been brought up in a culture that tells us we're supposed to be happy all the time. And because of that, And when we think that's the goal of life is to be happy all the time, we really don't have the capacity (laughs) to be with someone who is anything but. Like we don't know how to feel good when they don't feel good. We think how they feel is a problem that needs to be solved, right? Nobody taught us how how to feel our feelings and we think we're supposed to be happy. That's the goal. So of course, then it stands to reason that when somebody sees us in pain or we see someone else in pain, we might try to say something to try to increase the emotion that they feel to right, to make them feel better. But when you're the one that feels terrible, it's really can be very minimizing to hear that, right? You don't want somebody to try to make you feel better. You want how you feel to be witnessed. You want to be seen. You just want somebody to be with you as you feel terrible. So if we could just notice that however they're feeling is not a problem. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them because they feel that way. It doesn't mean that something is going wrong because they feel that way. This is the human experience, the real one. This is what grief is like. And if our job isn't to make someone feel better and it's really just to be be there with them, then it's so much easier to, to say something that is received as more supportive. This sucks. I love you. I'm here with you right? As opposed to something that can feel minimizing and is designed to try to make them feel some other way than they actually feel. Yeah. I think people also, to your point, no one wants to feel uncomfortable. We want to make things more (laughs) comfortable and just easier to digest and like Mm -hmm. good feelings. Like I want to take your pain away, you know, and like, like, let's think of something lighter. Like, how can I make this better for you? And like with you suffering a major tragic loss, There's nothing I could do in that moment that's going to make that better for you. It is Mm gut-wrenching. You know, so it's almost like nice sometimes to lean into that and and just be there for the person. And if they want to cry it out or just be frustrated or mad, like allow that to happen. And even Mm -hmm. just providing a safe space as a friend or family member, you know, for them to have that uncomfortable feeling that maybe puts us in an uncomfortable position, but it's really doing a lot of good for the person that's going through it. You know what I mean? Totally agree. That's what helped me. And sometimes I think we internalize that on ourselves too, when we've kind of bought into the idea that we're supposed to feel good all the time or supposed to be grateful, you know, depending on how we were socialized and sometimes like faith traditions play into this, but like, then we can kind of illegitimize our own experience and try to find the silver lining, right? Well, at least I had them. And at least, you know, again, they're no longer suffering and we don't even allow our own sadness 
and loss and try to kind of cover it up or make it a silver lining thing. Yeah. Such a disservice to the actual experience of grief. It really is. Why is time heals all a problematic statement? Why is that one that just, gets under so your skin? It's so visceral. <laughs> Even as you're saying it, I'm like, ah. But it's something that I hear all the time. It's biblical. I, I mean, you can go all the way back in, in, to Greek mythology. To I mean, it's it's all over yes. the place. I don't know the actual root of where time heals. Time really doesn't heal. It doesn't. So. I actually tried to research this too, and I went all the way back to Greek mythology, and that's as far as I could go. But it's nuanced. It's the reason I don't like it is because it oversimplifies in a way that sometimes is really harmful. So we do need time to pass in some ways. And specifically, what I mean by that is part of grief is our brain relearning, right? Our brain, especially if it's uh, a significant relationship. And I'm kind of speaking in terms of a a death-related loss, which as you already said, grief is so much more than death-related losses. But specifically when it's something that's really important to you or someone that's really important to you, your brain has learned to predict when it will see that person next, where you can find them, how long it will be, right? It has exposed itself to data over and over and over that allows it to predict with relative certainty where your person is going to be. And so when all of a sudden that isn't the case anymore, time is required for your brain to relearn the new reality and stop predicting that they should be somewhere they aren't, which is a very weird feeling if you're in grief because it feels like you lost your mind, right? It's like you keep reaching over to touch them on the pillow and you know they're not there, but yet you keep reaching and expecting them to be there or you You keep picking up your phone to text them and you know they can't text back, but yet you keep your brain keeps behaving as though they are there and you just need to take the action and they should be there, right? So as time is passing and our brain is exposed to more occasions where the new reality is present, right? It will ultimately stop predicting that they should be somewhere that they aren't. And that does take time. But if all we think is that time heals, then what we tend to do is just clamp down on how we're feeling or try to avoid it. We try to distract ourselves and we're told to do this, right? Just stay busy. And so we don't learn supportive ways to cope with that intense emotion because we think time is going to do the work. And then it can be so frustrating that time goes by. And I see this all the time in widows, which is who I primarily work with, that the first year went by and they literally thought time was going to heal and the first year was going to be the worst. So all they had to do was survive. Mm -hmm. And they did. And now nothing magical happened, right? They they still don't feel good. They still haven't learned ways to support themselves. And it's all because we just thought time was going to do the work. So yes, we do need time to pass so the brain can do what it needs to do. And also, can we learn to support ourselves as time is passing so that we aren't reliant upon time to do the work? Absolutely. Time is crucial, but it's not the one that's going to be doing the work for us. It's not the end all. Yeah. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little bit more of your scalp? Has menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. 
I'm excited to have Nutrafol as a sponsor because I use it. I love it. I'm a big fan of this company. I've noticed a big difference in my skin, nails, hair. Even my sleep has improved since I started taking this. Now I have the queen taking it too, and it has been a game changer for her hair. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LOWLIFE. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LOWLIFE. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LOWLIFE. I'm all about leveling up with my lowlifers this year. As a fashion stylist, the first place I want to start, of course, is leveling up your closet. But I don't want you to break the bank. You don't got to spend a lot of money, honey. Design on a dime, boo. You can still elevate your closet on a budget. We want you to save some money here. So I'm happy to have Quince as a sponsor. They are here for us. They're going to take good care of us. At Quince, I get high-end, versatile pieces at affordable prices. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Oh, they're amazing. I bought these beautiful silk pillowcases for my bed. I got a cute jacket, a cozy cashmere cardigan, and navy blue joggers I'm obsessed with. These are staple pieces for my closet that will not go out of style, and I was able to save some money. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash lowlife for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash lowlife to get free shipping and 365-day returns, quince.com slash lowlife. As time progressed, after I experienced the loss, there were some days that were easier than others, you know? And so, but it's kind of crazy. And I'd love for you to give some insight on this. There are some times when I felt after suffering a major loss, like it just happened yesterday. And then as time Mm -hmm. went by, I felt like, oh my God, was that like 10 years ago? Like it felt like it was such a a memory in my past because I felt like I had grown so much. And it's so interesting because now I'm 10 years in after a major loss. And just the other morning I woke up and you would have thought I lost the person last week. It hit me so hard. And I was just feeling gutted. And I'm like, where did that come from? Also, I was a bit triggered because it was around the same time. It's interesting how our bodies, without us even realizing it, subconsciously will remember like, oh, it's okay. It's October 7th for me. Okay. Um, that's a time when I, it's a it's a bit difficult for me. Like yeah. those type of moments. And that's, you know, when we had the funeral. And so I'll remember things like that without even realizing it, like my body gears up. And I was wondering if you experienced something similar, if your body just automatically kind of geared up for it, if you felt that way before. Many times. And I relate it to like menstrual cramps where you're like, why the hell am I so moody? What is going on with me? And then all of a sudden you, you, you figure out where you are in your menstrual cycle. And you're like, oh, okay, that's what's happening, right? It's the same thing with grief where it kind of doesn't even make sense to you sometimes why it's all coming back or why you're just not feeling like yourself. And then you realize, oh, my body was remembering something that I, I really wasn't consciously aware of. So maybe it's a death anniversary coming up or their birthday or something special, or maybe you just, you know, drove by a place of importance or who knows what it is, but yeah, sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I do find that it is a weird, weird experience as time passes. And what you described is probably 
more of what I hear than not. Not only does it line up with my own personal experience, but that's how my clients experience it too, is it does someday feel like it was years ago and then all of a sudden it just happened again. And I think it catches us off guard because we tend to think of grief as linear and we, because we've heard of the five stages and that's usually the only grief theory that we're familiar with, we do tend to think grief has like a beginning, a middle and an end. And we assume, again, time heals, you know, or that somehow because we're no longer really in early acute grief, like that that's not supposed to happen anymore and it shouldn't just feel like yesterday. And so then when it does, it catches us off guard and we make it mean something. But it's really just because we don't really know that grief is nonlinear and doesn't end and isn't, you know, is a complete messy and weird experience. And if we knew that, we wouldn't be so surprised. Those stages of grief you're talking about is... Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, is it seven stages of grief? Well, originally her work was five stages and then they added, David Kessler added a sixth stage. So right. originally in, in like 1969, when, when On Death and Dying was written, which was the work where the five stages was most earliest discussed, it was really important at that time because nobody's really talking about it in the way that she was. And so On Death and Dying was written, and it was actually the study of hospice patients, right? It was a study of people who were coming to terms with their own death. And the stages that they wrote about, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. And so that work was done on death and dying. And then they wrote on grief and grieving and took those same stages and applied them to what it's like to actually experience grief. But, you know, that was several decades ago, and there are many other grief theories, and there's been a lot of study of grief since then, but somehow our culture just kind of picked up on the five stages and started putting it everywhere. They ran with I just that. heard the other day I was listening to, I don't know, some which news station it was. They're talking about the fires in Maui, and the reporter was like, I'm seeing the five stages of grief everywhere I look. And I just wanted to like scream at the television, like stop perpetuating that that is the way of grief because yes, sometimes we do have denial and sometimes we do get angry and, you know, all of those things can be part of the grief experience, but it's really a disservice when we act like that's the totality of it or that it's supposed to be staged. Like you're supposed to first deny and then be angry and then bargain. Oh yeah. They're in no particular no, or order. Like acceptance is even a place. <laughs> I was bargaining and then I, I ended with, you know, irritation and anger and I dealt with that for a couple years. So <laughs> and if, if grief is the natural human response to a perceived loss, which is how I define it, and we can never undo the loss because we can't time travel, then we're always going to have grief. We're always going to have a response to the loss. And that response can change over time and we can think about it differently and relate to it differently, right? We can learn to integrate it into our lives, but it's definitely not, you know, 18 holes of golf where we're just like done. Yeah. Right. Some, some days we do feel some acceptance and then some other days we don't, but it's not this destination that we reach and then we're done with grief. It's just not how it works. So even, even um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross later regretted in, in, especially in her later years, she did some interviews about this. She really regretted that her work was interpreted in that way. You know, she didn't mean for people to take it and make it so structured and make it so linear and put themselves in boxes and she didn't mean to make people think that it encapsulated the entire human experience of grief. It was just an anecdotal study. And in its time, it was important, but it doesn't always represent what most people experience. Right. Yeah. And I know people experience that even in breakups, for example. And mm -hmm. so I'd love to touch on that because 
Well, I argue that sometimes going through a breakup is even more painful than an actual loss of a loved one. And I say that just from my own experience, again, everyone's experience is different, but I remember having my first major breakup and I had wished that he died because it sounds so morbid as I say it out loud. But I thought that because I'm like, I experienced a major death, a few of them already. And I was able to understand that like there was a a, a final moment in it. There was closure because, well, the I went to the funeral, and so now I'm having to just grapple with that. But in a breakup, this person was still going on, living their life. I was no longer in their life, and and so they still have to live a life without me in it. And so mm-hmm. that's a different type of loss. You know, friendship breakups are very similar in that way. But I was like, I almost felt guilty because I'm like, I'm mm. hurting more for this breakup than I did for someone I loved for 25 years and had a beautiful, and, and they died tragically. Like, what is wrong with me? And so I had yeah. to kind of unpack that, but I was like, no, I understand now that it, it can hit different and it is a different type of pain. And sometimes it does feel a bit worse. And so I'd love to talk to you about that. And also some healthy coping mechanisms, if people are going through it, whether it be a breakup or a, a major loss, a death, any sort of grief, like some healthy coping mechanisms while I have you here with us on how people can, you know, try and get through it one day at a time. Yeah. First, I'll just say, wouldn't it be great if we just never made ourselves wrong for how we feel? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Feeling guilty. Yeah. Shame. And and when it comes to like, yes, that's very much grief. And, and can for some people be experienced as disenfranchised in that, you know, when my husband died, everyone rallied around me. I got all this support, right? It was a very socially acceptable loss in my family and my community. That doesn't always happen. And breakups can be like that, where not, I mean, people care about you, I'm sure, but there, there is no celebration of life, right? Celebration of relationship. They don't send you flowers. They don't bring you food. They don't, you know, socially condone grief in the same way as as we tend to do with death losses. Also, I think the secondary losses are so different. So, you know, the primary loss is w- would be like the breakup. But then the secondary losses would be all the things that are now different about your life than you wanted them to be because of the breakup. So maybe, you know, the two of you used to hang out with like particular couple friends and now you don't get to hang out with those couple friends anymore because maybe, you know, they took sides or you're just not invited because they only do couple things. Like that's a secondary loss. Or now you have to see them on Instagram flaunting their new person and that like rips your heart out, right? All those secondary losses and they're different. And it's not to say they're they're worse or better, but they deserve care and attention either way. You know, yeah. Um, so I really, I really feel you there. As far as coping mechanisms, I think one of the things that can be helpful is to know about the dual process theory of grief. It's one of my favorite grief theories, and the reason I love it is because I just think it provides a useful framework. <laughs> so often in grief, and especially historically speaking, people were pretty obsessed with this idea of doing the grief work, like. That's how you that's how yeah. you read about it and how it was taught. Like doing about. the grief work as in like putting in the work, like going to therapy? Uh, well, yeah, it could be that or just like thinking about the loss and, you know, going through their stuff and all the estate paperwork, feeling your feelings and, you know, making peace with it and coming to acceptance and just anything related to the loss, right? So like it, it could be, it's a very broad category. But the idea was that you really should be doing grief work. Well, 
you know, you can imagine if that's all you ever do with your time, or if you judge yourself when you're not doing those things, then it can be very difficult to actually live life and enjoy things and take breaks. And so I love dual process theory because it essentially divides all of these activities, you know, that are part of our lives in grief into two buckets. So it says there are grief related activities, Mm -hmm. and then there are non grief related activities like respite. So hobbies, distractions, Netflix binges, right? Like laughing, going to work, doing things that are unrelated to your loss. And instead of, you know, trying to get us to spend all of our time doing the work of grief, dual process theory says that actually the healing is found in the intentional oscillation. Back and forth. The back and forth. Yeah. So thinking about it, letting yourself feel how you feel about it, you know, whatever that means for you, journaling, therapy, many, that can be many things. And also giving yourself permission to take a break and not judge yourself when you're distracting and not judge yourself when you're laughing or having fun or your first thought in the morning wasn't that they died. Like to do non-grief related things and just let yourself go back and forth. And and to me, it feels so much more gentle and so much more approachable and God, who needs, we don't need anything else to do. Yeah. There's a bit more balance yeah. in that too. Yeah. Yeah. I took the more uh, dive in head first approach with my first loss. <laughs> yeah. Too. And I was just like, I'm going to feel this. And I, you know, I also, I was really going through it. I had suicidal thoughts. I felt like mm-hmm. my world was imploding. It did in a sense. And so, yeah, I just really head first, no helmet. And so that wasn't fun. Yeah. But as I grew older and then I experienced more loss, I like that duality of that oscillating. Mm-hmm. What's the name of that theory called? Dual dual process model. The dual process model. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm all about the dual. I didn't even realize I was kind of doing the dual process model, but I sure was as I <laughs> as I was going through it. Because yeah. I would actually say to myself, like, I'm going to give myself a win today. And like, I need to experience some sort of laughter. So whether it be go to a movie with a friend or even by myself, but I just compartmentalized my grief. And I was like, I got to put this in a different box today. I don't have the emotional bandwidth to go there. I need to just focus on having a good time and pretending, telling myself, like pretending like it didn't happen, whatever happened, it didn't Mm -hmm. go down. So I could just get through the day because I really need that right now. And so, yeah, yeah, it helped me a lot. But again, not easy to get to that point. (laughs) And going through this journey and Beginning the healing process, it's a constant work in progress that we're in. You're never going to be completely healed. Uh, That doesn't happen. Even if you were to find another partner, even if you do feel like your life is, you know, in a better space now than it was even with your partner, you know, before he passed. But I would love to ask you, what has been the biggest takeaway for you after experiencing all of this hardship and tragedy? Mm, There's probably been so many. I think philosophically, I kind of made a switch of thinking that, you know, these kinds of things aren't supposed to happen to realizing that, no, oh, this is actually the human experience and they happen all the time. So I value the good times a whole lot more before I think I took a lot of it for granted. So I think that that's definitely changed. I think also it was a really powerful part of my experience to realize that There is nothing anyone can do to take away your ability to choose how you want to show up in your life, even when the worst things happen to you, right? You always get to choose how you want to think about that, how you want to feel about it, and the kind of person that you want to be. And I don't say that to say that there's like a morally superior option. I don't believe that there is. But post-traumatic growth is a real thing, right? And 
I didn't know that before Hugo died. And it's a, it's a pretty empowering way to live your life. But also like, I don't want anybody to hear me talk and think that I'm saying you should be happy all the time. Cause that's definitely not what I'm saying. I think another thing I learned is that actually embracing and learning how to increase your tolerance for quote unquote negative emotion is what makes it easier to stay present in your life. Like if you can be present with the shit, <laughs> yeah. then you can be more present in, in today and in this moment, which is all we really ever have. And also you can expand your capacity to let in the good because you're willing to experience the bad. And I didn't really think about it in those terms before. Yeah, that's beautiful that you could even look at life in that way. I love me a good edible moment. I talk about it all the time on this show. And so I was so excited that Via became a sponsor of the Low Life Podcast. Oh, this is a dream partnership because I love their edibles. They're so delicious. And they're coming on right in time for Valentine's Day. Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. We're talking about pairing aphrodisiac herbs with a mild amount of THC. Their best-selling High Love gummy will awaken your senses, increases the blood flow, and intensifies any sexual experience, even if it's a solo experience. It's going to be amazing with this gummy. The strawberry-flavored one is my favorite. They're vegan. Organic ingredients are used. They have zero THC products as well. So if you're not down for THC, that's okay, boo. Their CBD line is amazing too, which is really great for sleep, focus, and energy. Their products range from 2 milligrams to 50 milligrams of THC, so there's definitely something for everybody. My favorite part about this sponsor is that they ship to all 50 states legally with discreet packaging directly to your door. It makes it so easy breezy for you. No medical card required. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code LOWLIFE to receive 15% off plus one free sample of their Sleepy Dreams gummies. 21 and over. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com and use code LOWLIFE at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from ViaHemp. Is your New Year's resolution to find time-saving solutions so you can spend less time doing things like grocery shopping and more time with your little one? As a busy parent, I'm always looking for products and brands that will make my life easier. What is one change that's easy to make that will make your life easier in 2024? Little Spoon. Little Spoon delivers fresh, healthy meals and snacks that your kiddo will love for every eating stage. Little Spoon is a one-stop shop for healthy, easy mealtime and snack time for your baby, toddler, and big kid delivered right to your door. Their goal is to make keeping your kid healthy feel like the easiest part of your day so that you can cut through all the drama of mealtime. Time-saving and convenient without compromise. Little Spoon delivers baby blends, biteables, plates, smoothies, snacks, and lunchers. Kids love it and you will too. It's all so fresh, so delicious, and made with the cleanest, high-quality ingredients. Did I mention it all comes right to my door? So flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. I pick the menu and change it up what I order every time. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. I love it. My kids love it. The grandparents love it. And I know all you lowlifers will love it too. A huge win-win-win for my family, and it can also be for yours. Simplify your kiddo's mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash lowlife and enter our code lowlife at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. You know what was really 
tough for me to wrap my mind around when I was going through it several times over here at the Trauma Olympics, gold medal here. And it's like, what the hell? What the fuck is going on? But this was a really hard realization for me. And it was my mom who told me this. And I remember I had suffered you know, a loss and I was bummed about it. This was my little fur baby. My little, my dog of 14 years died and it was so painful for me. And I looked at this little dog as I looked at him as, as this pure light who just keeps the darkness at bay. And when he died, because he helped me so much with the other losses of human loss that I experienced, I mean, this little fur baby really just, I mean, from licking the tears to just pure serotonin for the soul. I just have such a connection with animals. And so the death of this dog to me was like, it was like an end of an era, truly, because I had it my whole adult life. And so I remember just wallowing in sadness. It just happened. And I was really going through. And then, you know, a week went by and I, I still had to work. I And I remember having people email me. And when it first happened, the text messages, I got flowers. People were really thoughtful. And of course, friends want to be there. But I had to understand it was like a rude awakening for me. It's not that they don't care. It's it's not that they don't love you. It's not that they're not empathetic towards your loss. But people do forget. People mm -hmm. do forget very quickly. And yeah. the brutal truth is when I lost my Nana, for example, gut-wrenching, I think for grandmas and grandpas, because it's expected because they're older, you're going to get about a one to two week grieving process, a healing period of like, people are still checking in on you. If mm -hmm. it's a sibling or a relationship, a husband or spouse, something like that, that hits a little bit closer to home, they'll usually give you about two to three weeks, maybe an extra week before people are like, oh, that's right. Oh my God. Yeah. Her mom just died or, Ooh, or, oh my God, oh, her husband, yikes. It's one of those. Yeah. And I had to really work through not becoming angry and resentful because I'm like, all of you motherfuckers are not realizing that I'm screaming on the inside and, and you guys have forgot. And yeah. so I understand now that it is just part of the human experience that people don't mean to forget, but they do because everybody has their lives. And so I want to know your experience with that because it didn't harden me. It didn't harden me or make me jaded towards the world as I thought it would. It actually gave me a bit more understanding that like, yeah, people were still sending me those emails, clients still, I'm a, a stylist full-time, mm -hmm. also podcast host, but my clients were still needing their red carpet outfits. I had agents and publicists yeah. still needing deliverables from me, even though they knew, or they just forgot, you know, that three weeks ago or a month ago, six months later, I'm having to now function as a full human here. And people just are no longer sensitive or tender to that, my loss at all, or they forgot. And so that was tough, but again, it just made me understand that it's okay. That's part of life in that regard. I understand it's not personal, but now just in regards to how I approach other people, I remember those dates. And yeah. so if I know someone lost their parent or a fur baby, like I write that date down because I know the one or two people that I had in my life that actually checked in on me six months later, I was like, it shook me to the core. It meant everything to me. And so I'd love to know your experience with that because and, and how you navigated it because you could take two roads of either hating the world and, and resenting everyone or, or having more uh, understanding. Yeah, it was similar in some ways, different in others. So one of the ways it was different is that because Hugo and I work together at the same company, you know, sometimes people go back to work and like nobody there really knew, 
you know, or had any sort of personal connection to the loss. Oh, wow. But that wasn't the case at all for me. In fact, some people that I worked with had known him 10 years longer than I had because he'd been there 20 years. I'd only been there 10. So I went back to an environment where they had literally brought in grief counselors, you know, to, to help the employees. And so it was a really different experience for me to go back to work than I think most people have. And it was a really ex different experience for months, right? Not just initially returning to work, but I was still surrounded by people who, even though it was awkward in the beginning, and I think they were worried about bringing it up because they they were afraid I was fragile or they were afraid they, they would upset me. You know, I realized that pretty quickly on, if I want to talk about Hugo or if I want them to talk about him, I got to start. I got to be take the lead. So I would bring him up, right? I would tell stories about him in meetings or like when something would come up and everybody would know, okay, that, that you know, this is a very obvious time to insert a Hugo joke. I would do it, which then gave them permission to do it and then made work a Hugo-friendly environment, right? <laughs> like as opposed yeah. to something I had to hide or shove away. But I know a lot of people don't have that experience. I remember, you know, speaking of the people who do remember randomly, I had, she's like a second cousin. She lives not even in the same state as me. We almost never talked as adults. And she just took me kind of under her wing. And she was the person who would send me things in the mail. And she was the person who would just, you know, randomly text me. And then and even some of my coworkers who I never would have expected those would be the people who would be supportive because we didn't feel that close before. And yet those were the people that just kept showing up in the strangest ways. That always surprised me. And so, yeah, just like you, I think I appreciate what it feels like to feel like you are forgotten and then for somebody to remember and reach out to you. And so I, I, I have the same experience now. I definitely didn't appreciate that then. I would be had have been the type of person that was like, ooh, they they look like they're doing fine. So I probably better not remind them of their yeah. loss. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. And like what I know now is like, no, no, they're totally thinking about it. And they think you aren't. And so it's actually really refreshing when somebody doesn't treat you with kid gloves and actually does remember and does acknowledge because you don't feel so alone. Yeah. I had a friend who lost a parent. And so we're a few Mother's Days in. She's had, you know, hasn't had her mom now for, you know, going on three Mother's Days, but I always will message her. And I know that I was one of the only ones who messaged her to say, like, I know this. Mm -hmm. and, and what I said was, I know this is a gut wrenching one for you. And I'm just know that I love you and I'm thinking of you. And I can't even imagine what you must be going through today, but I'm here for you and I love you. And yeah. very simple, just, sent that her way and it meant everything to her. But I know because I, I felt the same way before. And so even just, again, if the person does seem like you said, like they have their shit together, or, oh, they're, they're good. They don't seem as fragile now. So mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to add salt to the wound. You're not adding salt yeah. to the wound. That's a yeah. really great si takeaway. Silence hurts more, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I would love to have you come back and talk about um, grieving because there's so much more to unpack with it. It would be my honor. But here at the Low Life Podcast, we do love to do a round of rapid fire questions. Let's get into it. A round of rapid fire. Here we go. Cottage on the beach or a cabin in the woods? Okay, I'm going to go cabin in the woods, but I'm going to say that's a hard choice for me because I do love a beach. So I want both, but if I had to choose one, I would go cabin. A cabin in the woods. Who yeah. is your celebrity crush right now? Okay, so Outlander. Yep. Uh, I don't remember his name, but the guy who plays Jamie. Love. Yeah, 
He's, yeah, amazing. <laughs> if your belly button had a magical power, any power when you press your belly button, what would you make the belly button do? Oh, I have large goals of reducing suffering. I know that's, I feel like I'm in a beauty pageant right now and that sounds so cliche. <laughs> but like, no. if I could, if it could like somehow just like made humans suffer less. I know that's. No, yeah. it's beautiful. But it's true. Thank yeah. You. Mine was to produce hyaluronic serum or retinol for my skin. My selfish ass. And Listen, so you know what? Another I, thing I would have it do, like it could be like you. Like I hate picking out clothes for myself and like styling myself. If I could just have somebody who totally handled my wardrobe, my makeup, my hair, like all of those things, yes. and just literally told me what to do or did it for me, that I feel like that would be a great. A little glam fairy yeah. pops up from yeah, your belly. Yeah, that would button. be amazing. Yeah. Take that. Yeah. <laughs> what is your last meal on death row? Mm, I love a good scallop, scallop and risotto cheesecake. I'm not a super sweet dessert person, but I'm like a rich dessert person. So like a dark chocolatey cheesecake kind of thing. Yum. Love it. When are you most inspired? Probably in the morning. Typically I, w I wake up with, especially if I go on a walk, if I go, go on a walk, I've had coffee. Like that's when the ideas start flowing to me. And that's when I like do my most creative writing. It happens in the morning. And especially if I'm exposed to nature. Oh yeah, same here. That morning walk, a little morning sunlight. Yeah. Not only does it is it great just for serotonin release, but it for sure inspires me. What movie is a mood changer for you? This is a movie you've seen more than once. The type of movie you could quote. I'm not going to ask you to quote it though, but like that movie that really does it for you. Mood change in movie. There's so many ways to think of mood changing too. Yeah, it's if like, you want to go to a dark place with it, we've had those answers on here too. I was like, oh. <laughs> Really, that's that's your. <laughs> it's a really sad one, but yeah, everyone has. Well, a yeah, different that's vibe some of the movies. ones I think about, like steel magnolias or like Ugh. fried green tomatoes, like some of those you know older ones. But like, I like mood lifting movies, so I'm probably never going to turn down like '80s comedies, like The Goonies or Ferris Bueller's Day Off, or like things Classics. like that that are like yeah. from my childhood. Yep. Are you familiar with the love languages? A little bit. So there's acts of service, physical touch, mm -hmm. words of affirmation, gifts, quality time. We all need all of them, but which one is the best way that you receive love? Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm I'm spread evenly throughout a couple. Touch is really important to me. I like gifts, but I'd rather give personally. Like I get more out of giving than I get out of receiving. I think touch. I probably got to go with touch as number one. Last show you binge watched? Mm, well, we're currently binge watching Blacklist. And then also by myself, I am watching the Ultimatum queer version on Netflix. Oh, I haven't seen that. Is it good? I kind of like it. I mean, it's, you know, it, reality TV, right? So who knows how scripted it is. But basically, it's like couples start out. One of them has given the other an ultimatum that they want to get married. Oh. And one doesn't want to do that. And so they go into this experience where they basically recouple and then have to make a decision. So either they're going to get back with their original person or get, stay with this new person or leave single. I don't know. I kind of like, I like it. like those married at first sight, you know, <laughs> like those kinds of ones. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Escapism. Yeah. Top two songs on your playlist right now. So it's not, I don't know which songs they are, but I will say that I have a Peloton playlist and so every time you're on a ride, you know, you can just like heart a song and then it will add it to your playlist. Yeah. So it's like all the best songs from a Peloton ride. I have no idea what they actually are. What is something people commonly get wrong about you? Um, they think I'm like a conservative soccer mom because I'm from <laughs> Kansas. <laughs> 
got it. Yeah. And you're definitely not a conservative soccer Definitely mom. not at all. <laughs> I'm going to add this question to rapid fire. If you were going to be told this is the date that you would be dying, it was in an envelope sealed and you could get this envelope and say, this is literally your expiration date. Would you want to know when you were going to die? That is a hard question to answer. I don't think I would want to know. I think there's something to the not knowing I like the idea of knowing because I think it would be such a great reminder to not take things for granted, but I already think I do that pretty well. And so I'd kind of rather let it be mysterious. Yeah. When you die and come back to this world, let's say you believe in reincarnation. Uh, If you were to pick an animal, which animal would you want to come back to this beautiful world as? My dog has it pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. What kind of dog do you have? So I have two dogs. One is a soft-coated Wheaton. And the other one who I call who I call my dog. So the soft-coated Wheaton is my partner's dog. Mm-hmm. But my dog, Sadie, is... And I'm not kidding because I had her doggy DNA done, so I know this. She's <laughs> 12% German Shepherd, Doberman Pinscher, Lab, Rottweiler, 25% Pitbull, 25% <laughs> mixed breed. <laughs> She's a hot mess. mess. She's all the things, and but I love perfect. her so much. Yeah. So you would be that very specific mix of breed. I love that. <laughs> if you came back to or this Or just world. like, just like, I love that dogs are just so loving. Oh, they're the best. Are you kidding me? I love dogs. I mean, they're put on this planet just to love on us. Like that's their job yeah. is they, they just want to make us happy. Yeah. Uh, and they're not all that smart necessarily, but I think that's okay. Yeah, well, it dep- yeah, it depends on the breed too. Because I'm like, some of them breed. German shepherds are like a little too smart. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. At the Low Life Podcast, this episode comes out on Thursday, so we're going into the weekend, and we always want to leave the listeners with some words to live by. So if there's a quote that mm-hmm. you love or something you tell yourself all the time, any type of a quote or words to live by to leave the listeners on a high note or low note, whatever note you want to leave them on, just anything, <laughs> anything you want to say. You know, I tell myself all the time, and I tell my clients this all the time, that feelings aren't problems to solve. They're just experiences to allow. And it may not be super uplifting, but it makes the moments that I experience as hard easier. Wait, can you repeat that? Yeah, that feelings aren't problems to solve. They're just experiences to allow. I love that. It's helped me a lot. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Because I Again, it goes into wanting to always have to change the feeling and like, is this okay? Just just sit with it. I love it. Yeah, that's a beautiful note to leave this podcast on. Thank you for that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, Where can people find you on social media? Uh, Also your podcast. I'll link it in the description of this episode. And then I know you're on Instagram, not sure on TikTok, but all the socials. Uh, Let us know where to find you. Yeah. So my podcast is called The Widowed Mom Podcast. Really niche. But if you just want to learn about grief, absolutely come listen or send send a widow my way for sure. And then I'm on social as Life Coach Krista on Instagram, K-R-I-S-T-A. And then Coaching with Krista on Facebook because Life Coach Krista was taken. And then my website is coachingwithkrista.com. Perfect. And we'll link everything in this episode. Thank you again for being here, Queen. I appreciate you. And I love this conversation. Thanks for having me. Of course. Come back again. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Low Life Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. We got some great episodes coming in hot for you, my kings and queens. This week was a healing episode, but we have some great guests, some amazing conversations, some topics to dive into. You will not be disappointed going into spooky season. Buckle up, putas. You're in for a really good ride on this one. 
I love doing this podcast. I'm having so much fun with it. This podcast really fills up my cup of life. Truly, it is something I look forward to. I love getting to connect with my listeners. I have the best freaking listeners. So supportive, kind, and open-minded. Truly, the best of the best. Top deck of the fucking Titanic. Thank you for supporting the show and listening, sharing it with your friends and family. The best way you can support a podcast to really make an impact, it's a small gesture that makes a big difference, is by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. If you leave that review, it really is a game changer for a show. So thank you to the listeners who have taken the time to leave a review. You are the backbone of this podcast, and I want to show my gratitude, my appreciation. So the Low Life Gifting Suite, it is still open for business. We have hyaluronic serums, gifts from our sponsors, shit you didn't know you needed off Amazon that I'm obsessed with, some Trader Joe's gift cards. Target gift cards, gas cards. There's a lot in the closet, especially coming in for holidays. I'm starting to get some really good holiday stuff from sponsors. And so if you want a chance to win a little something, something, something from Osea or Way Hair Products or Edibles, <laughs> all you have to do is write a review in the review section of Apple Podcasts. But make sure you put your Instagram handle somewhere in the review section so I could slide into your DMs and then get your address and we could send you a little something, something. These reviews could be anything you want them to be. You could leave a little dick emoji for me, throw some unicorns, some stars my way, or you could actually write something or answer this week's burning question. And this week's question of the week is, what topics do you want me to explore? What guests do you want me to have? Is there a very specific show you want me to dive into? Or maybe you want me to do like a financial type podcast or one on entrepreneurship or parenting or whatever you want. The world is your oyster, baby. You just let me know. Drop it in the review section, what topics or whatever you want me to talk about. I'll be taking note of all of them and then sharing them in the Low Life Facebook group and then voting for future episodes, like what topic to dive into. So again, let me know because your feedback actually really helps the show. I love hearing from you. I want to shout out some kings and queens who have taken the time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you again for doing that. First one up is coming in hot from KCM1984. KCM1984 writes, Low life makes life better. I always look forward to you on Off the Vine. Oh yeah, I love Off the Vine. And somehow I missed you had your own. Happy to have found this show now and will be listening weekly. Thank you for being a ray of sunshine you add to the week. I love you and the genuine friendships you share with all of your listeners. I just know you and little Judy are my friends in another life. <laughs> little Judy. I love co-hosting Off the Vine and a lot of the Vinos have come here to the low life. And so shout out to the Vinos. You know, I love you. And now you could be low lifers too. And so we're one big, happy cult family. <laughs> we have time for one more review. And this one is coming in hot from at Heaven LRA. Heaven LRA writes, absolutely not. I can absolutely not stay friends with an ex. <laughs> that was a question that I asked a couple episodes back. Okay. So she writes, I cannot stay friends with an ex. It feels like any attempts I've had to remain friends ends up in remaining feelings. I need at least a year of zero contact to grieve and move on, or it feels like we're hanging on to the feelings. Even after a year, we can't be close friends. Low-key still grieving the KB and JT breakup. So devastated. Low, get me through the breakup. <laughs> I know you and me both, Queen. You and me freaking both. I get what you're saying about not staying friends with your ex because I'm kind of the same way, or at least I used to be. I had the scorched earth mentality. Like once you've gone there with me, we've been so intimate. You literally have eaten out my ass. Like it's just a lot. And so I don't need to do brunch with you as friends. <laughs> That's how I looked at it. But now as I've grown and I've seen different types of relationships and people actually able to do that, I know it could happen. Like for Caitlin and Jason, for example, they have the two dogs. And so they're going to be in contact because they're sharing custody of their fur babies. But I know for some people, that wouldn't be something they would ever be able to do. Like for me, I don't know if I could do that. To each their own. 
I'm going to actually ask this question in the Low Life Facebook group. There's a link if you want to join this group, The Cult. I'll put a link in the description of this episode. But I'm very curious to know how many of you are able to stay friends or have stayed friends with your ex. Let me know, boo. And on that note, I hope you have a beautiful weekend ahead. Go outside, see the beautiful blue moon, get some sun, have a delicious glass of wine, maybe a margarita, some tahini around the rim, enjoy some edibles, masturbate, apply your serums, but don't forget to drink your water, puta. I know you're thirsty. <laughs> we, we love, love you. you. And we're out. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. Over there with two.